What's up, everyone? Welcome back to a super special Indy 500 bonus episode of Track Talk Podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah and Emma, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Indy 500. I'm not going to lie. I blanked in your introduction, <laughs> but if you said Indy, then great. Yes, we're going to talk Indy 500. We're going to talk a little bit about Spain coming up this weekend for F1, um, and then we're going to end it off about a little bit about ourselves. So it is a bonus episode, but... We have lots to chat about today. Yeah, so let's just jump right into Indy. First of all, 300,000 people watching the Indy 500. That is a third of the population of our city. Yeah. Which is That's crazy. And Indianapolis is about the same size as our city, just like just under a million people. I want to say like 900,000 or so. Mm -hmm. So that is like a third of their city. And I mean, obviously not everyone in their city is going to go watch, but like, and also outside people, like that is insane. Okay, insane revenue first of all but i don't understand then why they had so many commercials playing i don't know what you watched it on but for me it i swear to god there were so many commercials i'm like how much money are you making yeah. from these seats like yeah. why do you have all these commercials i watched way too many liberty media commercials yeah yeah like because it's all american commercials so for us it's like so different to see but but yeah. there's so many of them yeah and it's so frustrating because they have like they still have a split screen yeah so they'll they'll play the race in the corner and then the commercial in the big one. And I'm like, what if something happens? Yeah. Like, what if, like, I'm missing something? Anyway, that was my little annoyance, I think. <laughs> but otherwise, the Indy 500 was insane. I loved every minute of it. Every second of it. Like, I watched one of the ovals before. I don't remember which one. But the 500 is something else. Like, I didn't watch it live, unfortunately. No, neither of us did. But watching it even just the day after... I don't even know how to put it into words, like, how insane the 500 is. The cars are so fast. So fast. Oh, I think, like, right at the beginning, TK, one of the McLaren, like, Aero McLaren drivers, on the pace lap at the beginning, I actually laughed so hard because he was like, I'm just going to go out there and do my best. Like, what are they going to do? Fire me? Because it was his last, last Indy 500. So I was like, oh, he's got a bit of humor in that. Like, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, There's no push to pass on ovals. And we've talked about this in the last episode, but push to pass is like kind of the equivalent of DRS for F1, but they don't have that in ovals. So I didn't know that until like right before the 500, but they don't need it because they go that fast They don't fast need it. They anyway. go so fast. Yeah. This was the first oval that I watched. Um, okay. I have to say something. Okay. What? I'm going to make myself sound so stupid, but <laughs> okay. let's be fair. I'm very, very, very new into indie. I thought... What? I thought they did 500 laps. <laughs> I mean, I could see why, because it's it's 2.5 miles per lab, so it's the Indy 500. I get it. I get, get it now. <laughs> There'll be so many laps. I know. That's why I was like, oh my God, I'm going to watch this for six hours. <laughs> it was only three and a half. It was three and a half, yeah, um, which was... Still a long time. It, so it was three and a half hours, and to me, it felt shorter than watching Monaco. Hey, I was going to say that. Yeah. I don't know why, because like Monaco was shorter... I feel like there was so much more happening yeah. at Indy. And also, as opposed to, like, an F1 race, the order is always switching. Yes. All the time. Even with, like, ovals, it's always switching. And apparently, they do this, like, the... Or it's common for, like, the first two drivers. Like, it was Alex Palou and then Renus VK. Yeah. They'll switch back and forth. And, like, they won't even try to defend. 
they're on different teams, but they mm-hmm. won't even try to defend. And it's because the driver who's in second is saving fuel by like riding in mm-hmm. like the air. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know the right term, mm-hmm. but like just riding behind the car, they save so much fuel. So mm-hmm. you don't want to be in the front for those first few laps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw it again later with uh, Felix Rosen- Rosenquist? Rosenquist, yeah. Felix Rosenquist and Pato Award, mm-hmm. same team. Yeah. And they were taking turns being in the front because they didn't have to fight yet. Yeah. And so they were like working together to save fuel. Yeah. Which I thought was genius. Yeah. Like it's, I, you know, you don't see that in F1. No, such a different strategy. And yeah, I actually wrote that in my notes too, because I, like I said, it's the first oval I watched. I love it. And I thought I would hate it. I thought I would hate it. Cause it, I mean, you're driving around in a circle. It did not feel like that to me because the order was switching so often that there was just always something to be excited about. I know. Like, wow. Were you rooting for any drivers? Callum lot. Okay, fair. He was leading at one point. Yeah, he was. A few laps. Actually, I wrote in my notes. <laughs> I said, I love Callum lot, but I also just love the color green. That's fair. Yeah. So. He stood out. I don't, maybe there was one or two green cars, yeah. but no, he, uh, he lucked out because he went in for a pit stop yeah. and then it put him ahead of everyone else. It was like right before, or like right before caution he went in yeah. and like it didn't screw him over. Yeah. I don't actually know what happened, but he was, ended up leading for a bit yeah, and I was did. like, okay, okay, Callum, I can get behind this. Yeah. Usually we're pretty good with our notes, but I think with this one, it was just like... There's just so much going on and we're kind of all over the place. Were you rooting for a specific driver? Uh, because Marcus Armstrong obviously wasn't. Yeah, Marcus Armstrong does not drive ovals. Yeah. So uh, Takuma Sato yeah. drives ovals. Like they, they drive the same car, mm-hmm. but he just takes over for ovals. Newgarden and I think Pato. I was kind of rooting Pato, for Pato. Yeah. You know what? I actually was because... For those who don't know, we kind of have been in conversation with some of Joseph Newgarden's team. So I was really kind of rooting for them, yeah. uh, for him. Yes. So. Yeah. And Joseph Newgarden as well is a, I'm pretty sure, two-time IndyCar champion, but he's never won the Indy 500. And he said it in, it was in one of the episodes of the 100 Days to Indy. Mm-hmm. They just, they just suck at the Indy 500 and it's never been in their favor. So Honestly, I did not have like the highest hopes going into this race because he was starting from, I think, 17th or 18th. But again, the order changes so much, like you have no idea. And then by lap 47 of 200, he had already moved up eight places. And a lot of other cars, I think the max was like at that point, he was the biggest mover is what they call it. Like other cars had moved Mm -hmm. up, but like two, three, four places. So eight places already at lap 47. I was like, oh, wait, he's onto something like he could do it. So I was really rooting for Joseph Newgarden. But Pato Award... I guess last year, because we didn't watch the Indy 500 last mm-hmm. year. Marcus Erickson won last year. Yes, he did. They had a restart on lap five, and it was him in the lead and then Pato Award behind him. And so it was like essentially those two fighting for the 500 okay. last year. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that there was a moment this race where it was like the same thing but reversed. There was a restart, and it was Pato Award in the front and then Erickson behind. Yeah. So it was kind of like deja vu for them. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, oh, I really want Pato to get this. It's like redemption from last yeah, year. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah, we'll get to it. There's um, there's also this Marcus Erickson tweet that came out from last year. Oh, I don't even think tweet. you know about it. We'll get to it when we get to the end, I oh promise. My it's, goodness. it's very interesting. Anyways. Can, um, we, can we talk about the pit stops? Okay, okay. I, yes, please. <laughs> please. There's like five, six pit stops, so first of all. my notes while watching this were pretty much a stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. My first one about pit stops was... Catherine leaves scary-ass exit from pit stop. Whoa. Yeah. No, she did. Yeah, no. That was that was insane. 
she, I don't know what happened. If you're on brand new, like fresh tires, you push a little bit too hard, you can, it just got out of her control. And we saw it twice, actually. Yeah, we saw it again. so then my next note is, God, I feel bad for Alex Palou. Because we saw it with Renus VK. Because Renus VK just, I actually wrote, crunched him. Literally into the wall. Yeah. And what I find so interesting about the pit lane for Indy, uh, I don't know if it's just for ovals or what, but they have a transition lane. Yes. Yeah. Whereas for F1, it's just the pit lane. Yeah. And the drivers are released into it. Yeah. And it's up to the mechanics, the pit crew to like send them out at the right time. Yeah. Whereas there's a transition lane for the IndyCar drivers to go into and then they go into the pit lane to re-enter the track. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. So I yeah. guess Rena's VK he was let out into the transition lane and like spun from there or something and then hit Alex Blue. And Alex Blue at this point was, was he was like, dominating. Yeah. He and it just I thought it would take him out because he had dropped back down yeah. to like twenty fourth or twenty fifth. Yeah. By the end of the race he finished in the top ten. Yeah. Yeah. So props to him, props to his team. Absolutely insane. Yeah, it was it was really, really a good show from Alex Palou. I mean, it sucks that he obviously couldn't place higher than that, yeah. but um, I was really impressed. Um, my next note about pit stops was, OMG, a fucking tire flew in the air. Holy shit, that mechanic is lucky to be alive. So there was a tire that flew in the air, oh. but I don't remember who, who was in the pit lane, but literally almost took out the mechanic yeah. holding the tire. It um, was the, the, I think the front right tire that it almost took out right yes the front right guy that it almost took out yeah it's terrifying i feel like with f1 the pit lanes are much more spread apart that is not spread apart in indy no like they're like bumper to bumper i don't know how the pit crew is so calm and there was there was one part where there was a pit lane incident where a tire, I guess if they're dropping a tire, they can't drop it over the white line. Yeah, so this is my next the commentators. My next note. Yeah, so I literally wrote, these engineers are just throwing tires around. Holy fuck, what is going on? Now the commentators are arguing whether the tire left the pit box. This is hilarious. I think they might fight. Like the commentators so were funny. pissed at each other. They were like, it's over the white line. It's no, over, it's not. No, they're going to get a penalty. No, he's not. What, what are seeing. you looking at? Like, I know. I and so my final... They actually were fighting. It was crazy. My final note about the pit stops, and you just said that you liked the transition lane. I wrote, okay, I now understand the need for a slow pit lane because these teammates literally just hit each other. Yeah. That was... Which teammates was it? It was Roman. Roman. Roman and Colton Herta. And Colton Herta. But Colton Herta, he was not given the go-ahead because they, they have to be released. So like it has to, it's the, one of the pit crew members in the front that has to release them. I think they told Colton Herta to hold. He did not hold. And that's when he went and he went right into the back of the Okay, so this was my next, like, I don't, I guess I don't know because you don't hear engineer messages when they're in, in the pits, but like, is it driver? Is it the driver who decides to leave the pit box or it, like, no, or is it the, the engineers that tell him when to leave? Because there was just so much like miscommunication about like when when those two hit each other and then even with um Alex Palou and it was like I think I with Catherine Legg they they left at the right times but they just lost control of the fresh tires like they okay. just didn't have the control and that was that was where the incident that came in the transition lane um Colton Herta I'm pretty sure he was told to hold because you'll see the one of the pit crew members like they have their hand up in a fist and oh, then they'll okay. drop it when there's time to go gotcha. and they'll stand out of the way and i don't think i think colton heard him either either like misinterpreted the hand signal but he went when he shouldn't have mm. and that's when like roman grosjean they were both out hey oh no Ro- roman, that, that yeah. took colton out i'm pretty yeah. sure roman um he just later in the race yeah he crashed the wall and it honestly you go an inch too high around a corner and you're out 
And we didn't see that until lap 92, which is about halfway through when Stingray Rob just unfortunately... Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to avoid someone or what, but he hit the barrier and he was out and he was angry. He was blaming someone over the yeah. radio and I don't know who he was blaming, yeah. but... Yeah, and that's that, and then it went downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, I I did write just about Roman for one sec. I I wrote I just feel so bad for him. I love him and bless his wife because <sighs> for those who don't know, Roman Grosjean used to r- race for Haas um, in F one, and in the last race of the year in twenty nineteen, he had probably the scariest modern day F one incident where his entire car like. Blew up. Blew up, essentially. It went straight up in flames. He was in the driver's cockpit for pretty much, I think, almost two minutes. And at the end of that season of Drive to Survive, they interviewed his wife. And she says just that she basically thought that he wasn't alive for a whole two minutes. Like, imagine just watching that and just not knowing. Anyways, it was, he had some third degree burns, especially on his hand. And his contract with Haas was actually up at the end of that season anyways. Not that I think that he would have come back to F1 after that. Um, but I just, I wish all the best for him because of that in in Indy. And I just wish the best for his wife as well, because I can't imagine the PTSD that comes with watching your husband be minutes, seconds from death mm-hmm. and then get back into a race car. Like, I understand that that's their job and they they love it. But I thought he was done racing after that incident with Haas. He wasn't. And, like, and it's so unfortunate because Roman has actually crashed out a few times this year. Mm-hmm. He just has not had the best start. He is an incredible IndyCar driver, but just a few instances this year that have not been... Ideal. And so, yeah, I, if I was his wife, I'd be like, maybe it's time to retire. Like I'm, I would have a heart attack if I were her. Like on, this is nowhere even near their level, but like my boyfriend, he was a a, a competitive baseball player and blew out his elbow. And every time he would throw a baseball, he was a pitcher. Every time he would throw a pitch after his injury, like after he had surgery, I just like would hold my breath. Like, I hope this doesn't happen again because it can. So like, Knowing that that's my feelings with a freaking baseball pitch, I can't imagine Roman Grosjean's wife yeah. watching any race he ever races in again. But props to her. Props to her. Props to him. We, I mean, know he had a kind of a shit weekend, but um, honestly, so much respect for him. There's another note about pit lanes that kind of, it caught my interest. So some drivers, including Renus VK, had a drive-through penalty. And that is when... Because, because of the incident with Alex Plou, mm-hmm. they gave him a drive-through penalty. And that means that they have to go through the pit lane at reduced speed and not stop. So it's like they it extends their, their lap time. Interesting. And, and well, I didn't know what it was because they said they, that Renus VK was given a drive-through penalty. And I was like, what the hell like, what is, is that? that? And I looked it up. Apparently F1 also has this, but we don't see it. I guess that's pretty much in F1, like a 19-second time penalty. Yeah. On average. But... It's like, it's equivalent. It's the same as, you know, fining or grid penalty or like, again, five seconds in the pit. Like it's a penalty that F1 could put on a driver, but Mm. we haven't, I haven't seen it. I've never seen that. But I guess they do it. I don't hate it. I I don't think it's like the worst. I actually think that there's less chance of error doing that than there is, unless you're Esteban who just loves to speed in the pits, um, than to stop for five seconds in the pits because how many, we've seen it twice already this season in F1 where- a mechanic 
has touched the car or they uh, don't count the amount yeah. of the, the seconds properly. And we've had like incorrect serving your time penalty incorrectly. And it's like, wow. but if we had, a, if we had a drive through penalty, then I assume like they would just less chance for error. You they wouldn't would, have to do that. It'd be so unfortunate too for the drivers because they'd have to slow down, but that's the penalty. Right. So I get it. It makes sense. Like I'd love to see more in F1. I mean, I wouldn't love to see penalties in F1, but it's something to, yeah, I don't hate this yeah. like method of, of maybe it's, penalizing. Maybe it's common for ovals. Yeah, maybe. Because, like, the pit lane is longer. Yeah. I have no idea. So after the Stingray Rob's crash, that's when we saw a bit of a change up with, the like, the standings. At this point, it was, like, lap 107, Joseph Newgarden up to fourth. Insane. I was like, you know what? He's got this in the bag. Yeah. At that point, I was like, I think he has this. There was a part, uh, There was a point where there were four cars wide on the straight. That's too many cars. That's too many cars. That's too many cars. <laughs> I... It's just, it's just chaotic and it's a mess and it's bundled and it's exciting, but it's terrifying. Yeah. Four cars. And they, I don't, they have no fear. They just go. No, and they're driving at a, like these insane speeds. I, it was, it was more exciting than F1. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 1000%. It was, I did not think I was going to be able to get into Indy. Honestly, Long Beach was fine, but even when we talked to Kate and Rachel from Paddock Pundits, they said that it wasn't the best race to watch as your introduction, and I understand that mm-hmm. because I feel like I needed to see an oval first to get into it. That's this fair. was, it exceeded every expectation I had of Indy. I am hooked. Yeah. I am 1000% hooked. Like, I am. So so we are IndyCar fans. We so. are We are IndyCar fans. <laughs> I'm so gung-ho about this right now. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm excited. Um, oh, they have a this charity competition thing. The uh, the Force Good Challenge. So I guess... I haven't looked into this fully. If I'm wrong, please correct me. But I guess if a driver wins each type of race, so there's the road race, the street race, and um, oval, they, they win money, like a million dollars. And I think that a portion of it goes to a charity of their choice mm-hmm. or maybe that million dollars is for the charity of their choice and they get like something on top of it mm, okay. but it's just another like incentive for these drivers to 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 win you know and you don't see like these prize monies given out in formula one they don't i don't think they win anything extra if they win a race do they no maybe, i don't think so unless it's like, written into their contracts i don't think so because i think that it's all based on your standings at the end of the year because i know yeah. obviously they talk about it lots in dts but um, you want to win or want to place higher in the constructors because it's just like tens of Thousands, millions, millions of, of dollars. dollars of sponsorship yeah. money that you get, but that's sponsorship money. So like the teams root for that, but like for the individual drivers, I don't necessarily, I'm sure Max has some clause that if, she, if he wins like another world championship, he gets a bonus or something like yeah. that. But like, I don't think that the majority of the drivers have like incentives. I also have no idea, but I've just never heard that. But they also don't have any like a charity incentive either. This is what I'm which saying. Which I think yeah. is so cool that, you know, they're not only racing to like win money for themselves and like get points for the team, but it's like, it's going to a good cause yeah. as well. So I love that. I love that. And I'm going to shit talk F1 here for one sec, but like, it. it really is only for the wealthy. Yeah. So it's a rich man's sport. It's a rich man's sport. And you would think, and you know, we talked about this with, when we were talking about Lando donating, um, money from his streams like they don't have to donate money to charities for us to for they don't have to tell us that they're donating money for us to like acknowledge that you know Mm -hmm. they are charitable but I think like a big charity donation from pretty much the organization not just like individual drivers is putting out such a good message 
from the organization that is IndyCar. Like, I was really impressed when I heard that. Yeah, I loved it. It was, oh, lap 148. At this point, I'm, like, rooting for a few drivers, but... It was lap 148. We overheard Pato's radio message saying that he's short on fuel and that they needed a caution, which is like a yellow flag, to be able to refuel him um, without wasting a pit stop. And then like a few laps later, we saw Roman Grosjean's crash. And as as much as I hated that crash, I was like, this is perfect like, for Pato. This is what he needed. This yeah. is literally what he needed. And we have notes, but like this race was so chaotic that there was so many cautions and like restarts within the last like 17 18 laps yeah Yeah. there were 30 laps left to like 17 laps left and because they count down right they don't count up as like formula one does but that is like the last time that these drivers could pit essentially if they were on a six stop strategy whatever strategy they were on so when they were going into the pit stops like when they were being let out that is kind of gonna it's gonna set the grid for the rest of the race essentially and so when paddle was released after that last pit stop he entered it was literally a perfect pit stop Mm -hmm. because he went in had the change had the refuel and then when he was let out it was like right in the mix of the top drivers Mm -hmm. he ended up being third Mm -hmm. and i was like this is his fighting chance and he had led a lot of the race Mm -hmm. before that as well and i was like i'm rooting for him and i'm rooting for new garden and i'm like i don't like both these drivers are in the top five at this point like they all, they all have a fighting chance. And then Kyle Kirkwood. This was <laughs> the scariest crash yeah. I have seen in motorsports since jo- Joe. Joe going, yeah. Yeah. So Felix crashed, spun out. Kyle didn't have anywhere to go. Like ran into Felix and then he just, he went flying. Like his car went upside down. He was around the like barriers was was it was it his tire that flew over the barriers? I think it was. I think it, I think you it was. You caught that? Literally, his tire. His. This is deja vu from Kevin Magnuson. His tire fell off, and flew. Which is why he couldn't he steer couldn't do anything. at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, and it went right over the barriers. Yeah. So luckily, no one no one got hurt except uh, a car got damaged because the tire flew over the barriers. Which doesn't happen because these cars are literally these tires are connected to the car. Like yeah. there's. I don't know. I don't understand. That was about 17 laps to go. And then we're like, okay, we're going to get a restart. But how much exactly are they going to race? How much are they going to be able to race? Yeah. Because there was so much debris from the Cal Kirkwood crash that it took a little while for them to to be able to safely race again, to mm-hmm. restart the race. So yeah, I was also like, how much more racing action are we actually going to get? Well, not much because by the time the restart actually came, there was five laps left. Yeah, And based off of... Because it's the same as F1, like wherever position you're in, that's where you start for the restart. And the thing with um, Indy is, God, they did so many like pace laps yeah. before the actual restart came. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was a little bit of a waste of time. But at the the restart that came um, at lap five, Pato was in the lead and then it was Marcus Erickson behind. That's yeah. what we'd mentioned earlier. Pato, I don't know if he did this on purpose or what, but he slowed down before the restart. And then they had to call off the restart because he slowed down too much. So they had to do, again, essentially another pace lap yeah. for the actual restart to go. Yeah. I don't know what his strategy was with that. I don't, I maybe, I don't know. You see it in F1, like you're trying to trick out the people yeah. behind you. But yeah. I just, it didn't work out for his favor. He slowed down too much. Yeah. And then it was, I think it was literally on that lap, like on the actual restart lap. Marcus Erickson got ahead. And then... Pato crashed and I, I was sad. I was sad too. Cause we were so close to the end and he had worked his way up. 
it was sad and it was driver error yeah is what it was yeah. i think he just like he he's the one who caused it i think he tried to, to make a risky move and it just unfortunately did not pay off but uh what does that bring out another caution another red flag at this point what there's four laps left and i'm like they're gonna call it they have to call I it i thought they would finish it under like a caution a or, ca- a pace or a pace lap, lap. yeah they didn't. They didn't, which is crazy. After Pato, they had to go back in the pits. That was at like lap four. And then there was a third one with an incident that happened at the back of the grid. Before, oh, yeah. Before they even started the, before they even started the lap, before like half the cars had even crossed the start, finish straight, they, there was an incident and they had to, they had to wave a yellow flag mm. to bring all the cars back in again. I, there were so many drivers that ended up just, they crashed out. Yeah. They had to retire. So, yeah, it was uh, Kyle Kirkwood caused the first one and then Pato. And I don't know, we don't, we can't recall who the third red flag was caused by, but there was, they had to go back into the pits. I thought they were either going to call it or they were going to end under safety car because that makes sense. Yeah. And we see that a lot with races. Yeah. We don't want to see it, but it happens. And that, that didn't happen. Essentially, it was Marcus Erickson in the front. I think it was Joseph Newgarden Joseph behind. Newgarden right behind, yeah. And Ferrucci, Ferrucci third, yeah. who was have, like, was dominating like this whole race. He mm-hmm. did so good, like weirdly good, like quiet MVP performance. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah. And there was another driver. There was a few drivers that were just so quiet the whole time. And I'm like, well, Kyle Kirkwood had a pretty good race yeah, the whole time until he crashed race. out. Yeah, like they just kept working their way up. But um, by the time they could do the restart, there was literally two or one lap. I think one lap left. It ended up being a sprint, one lap sprint. We've seen this before. It just got flashbacks to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> that was that. it. I was like, who called this? So I think Marcus Erickson did not have a fighting chance here because he. it's going to be a lot harder to defend if you're already wasting more fuel. Mm-hmm. Joseph Newgarden was able to just ride behind him for mm-hmm. a bit and then take advantage mm-hmm. of the last yeah. few corners. Yeah. So Joseph Newgarden won. Yeah. And... There's a lot of controversy behind it. Yeah. So here's where I'm going to pull up Marcus Erickson's tweet. Erickson gave an interview after the race and he said that the late restart was not a fair way to end the race just because we talked about like how he didn't really have a, a chance yeah. being first and essentially giving Newgarden that toe that he needed to save fuel and then just push right to the end. Yeah, Erickson was pissed. So Erickson was pissed. Now, someone dug up this tweet from December 12th, 2021. Okay. That day was the day that Max Verstappen won his first world championship, asterisk, um, in that one lap, essentially one lap shootout with mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton in Abu Dhabi. And Marcus, after that race, tweeted, best at F1 season ever. Best sports season ever. That finish to the race just sums up this crazy season perfectly. You can't make this stuff up. Unbelievable. Congrats at Max 33 Verstappen. See, that's the thing. It's so, you can't please everyone. Yeah. Like, no one wants to see a race end under, like, no one wants to see a race end under a safety car, but also people are going to be pissed if it ends with a sprint. Right. Obviously, the driver who wins a sprint is going to be happy yeah. and excited, and the other drivers who who don't win, like they're going to, they're going to find a reason to complain. Right. You're going to, but if it had ended under a safety car, fans would have complained. Yeah. Like you literally no, couldn't true. win there. It's and true. so the controversy comes from, um, Roger Penske owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He also owns 
the IndyCar series. Yeah. And so people are speculating that the restart was for Joseph Newgarden's benefit only. And I don't think that's the case. How else could... Like, like if, if you they, didn't finish the race under a pace lap, how else would you really have, like, done it? Yeah. And I think with how chaotic the last few laps had been, yes, I could have seen why they... I thought they were going to end it under a safety car, but they... I could see, I also understand why they didn't. Like they were like this has been a fight these last 17 laps. We're going to if they can fight, they they should. Yeah. And so they had the opportunity. Was it really thought out? They probably could have called a red flag a little bit earlier, given them an extra lap. Yes, but that's just, you know, that's just on the marshals, that's just on the stewards, mm-hmm. but you know, they they had the chance to have one last lap. Like why why force them to end under yeah, caution? Exactly. And also, they they couldn't really dictate like Roger Penske himself couldn't really dictate where Marcus Erickson and Joseph Newgarden yeah. were lined up for the restart. It's just really unfortunate that at that unfortunate for Marcus mm-hmm. that at that point he was leading. But I just thought that well, people are are just quote tweeting his tweet because it's kind of funny it, how he was rooting for Max and the same thing happened to him and now he's crying about it. Which obviously, like you want to win, I totally understand that he won it last year. I'm very happy for Joseph Newgarden, but I did and you didn't expect. Marcus Erickson to come out and be like, yeah, that was fair. Because that's just a shitty way to end a race. Yeah. But I don't know what else that they would have expected. No. If they, they had the opportunity to race and they gave it to them. Yeah. So props to Joseph Newgarden. What? Toto, it's a motor race. It's a motor race. We're going car racing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> They're going racing. <clears throat> so Joseph Newgarden won and the celebration. This is what made me, I think, like love indie just a little bit more. Because you wouldn't see this in F1. Never. And it just like... Joseph, again, this doesn't really happen, but he jumped through the fence after he parked the car, after he kissed the bricks on the, like, on the track, jumped through the fence, celebrated with the fans, and just was, like, in the middle of all the fans. Yeah. And I, like, I I was just, like, I was so happy. And when he came back, when he was with his team, like, you could see... Wait, all... you're missing. What he jumped missing? the fence. I said that. He No, no. Like, when he got back on, oh. he didn't jump. He climbed the fence, like, yeah. like in f1 when they're when the engineers do like it was when he was coming back literally climbed the fence and so good it was just and then when he was all with it when he was with his team like hugging each of them individually like all the engineers the pit crew like yeah everyone it was so heartwarming and you would not see that in f1 because they have to top three drivers have to park their car they go right to the cool down room yeah like they do they have a second to like celebrate with their team but they're the team's behind barriers like they can't Mm -hmm. really do anything and Mm -hmm. you don't get that fan interaction and Mm -hmm. i just like i think joseph newgarden like it was so well deserved and he fought for it and it was like it was just such a heartwarming moment like it just felt so real Mm -hmm. and you as you were watching it i was like i feel like i'm there yeah you know so i love that it just made me happy yeah i did not expect that to happen. That was like, what is he doing? Is he ever going to get out of this like grandstand area? They were, eventually they were like, you have to go yeah. to victory lane. You yeah. have to go. He drank the milk. Yeah. Whole milk. Yeah. It was honestly super real to watch. Yeah. And I feel like this gave me a perspective of F1 that I didn't have before where they are just so set in their ways and so like strict with how they, they operate yeah. that it does feel like such an unattainable sport, A, to to watch, like, because of how expensive it is to go to these races, and then B, to even have some sort of, like, m- emotional relationship to these drivers. Like, yeah. I think that 
what Joseph Newgarden did was pretty much acknowledge that, like, this is for the fans. This is for the fans. Oh, I got chills. Yeah. I just loved it. it I was thought it was awesome. good. So well deserved. And I just want to say, uh, Hannah mentioned earlier that we've been lucky enough to talk to some people from Team Penske before, but Caitlin Brown. Yeah. I was, I was hoping you were going to mention her. Oh my God. First of all, the nicest person. Yeah. Uh, have, we haven't actually had a chance to meet her, but she is someone who has helped us learn about Indy mm-hmm. and answer our questions. And there's a few other people um, there's one other person, I guess, from Team Penske as well, who's helped out also from Joseph Newgarden's team. But Caitlin Brown, she is a full-time uh, pit crew mechanic. And she is, first of all, the f- the first full-time over-the-wall pit crew mechanic. So there's only six members of the pit crew that are allowed to go over the wall mm-hmm. at a time. She was the first female to ever be, to ever do so. Not only that, but she's the first to win the Indy 500. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so yeah, props to Joseph Newgarden for winning. Mm -hmm. Well-deserved. But Caitlin is going down in history. It's another huge, huge moment for women in motorsports. Huge. And they were just like, we had messaged both of them Mm -hmm. after the race. And they were just both so like filled with gratitude Mm -hmm. that like, and sometimes people forget that that these drivers have these big teams behind them. And it was just so nice to hear from those two people from Team Penske just hearing their side of it, like, they just feel like it's so surreal that, yeah. like, they were able to help Joseph and to win the the Indy 500, so. Like, Indy's just, it's just, it's different, and it's, oh, I just loved it, and so, like, yeah, huge props to Team Penske, to the team, to Joseph, like, well-deserved. I just loved it. Yeah. I loved every second of it. I'm hooked. Absolutely hooked. We need to talk about, um, we need to talk about Zach Brown being there, and yeah. okay, here's the thing. I have a feeling that Zach Brown knew McLaren did not have a shot at Monaco. Yeah. He was like, you know what? I have a choice to go to Monaco, be disappointed in my team, or go to the Indy 500 where Pato, there's four drivers, mm-hmm. essentially four drivers, mm-hmm. but Pato or Felix, because they were both pretty mm-hmm. much in the lead, have a shot at winning. Mm-hmm. And it would it would look horrible if Zach was in Monaco and Pato had won yeah. or Felix had won. Yeah. So I think Zach was like, it was a strategic move for him. I don't disagree with Zach's decision. No. I usually do, but in this case, I don't. But is Zach Brown the problem? Is Zach Brown the problem? He might be. I mean, McLaren and F1 didn't really have any issues at Monaco this weekend. Mm -hmm. Their car is a tractor, but they actually had a pretty good weekend. Both cars getting into Q3, both cars finishing the race. Oscar, honestly, I, it pains me to really compliment that man, but he had a good weekend. He was consistent. He was consistent. Obviously, we love Lando. So, Zach Brown went did to... Did he just, like, absolutely ruin this weekend for Pato and for have. Felix? He might have. Anyway, that's just something to think about. I just yeah. thought it was funny because, like, he is McLaren CEO, and that includes F1 and Aero McLaren. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, maybe Zach should just stop going to the releases. I think he should just chill in the in the headquarters in yeah. England. Yeah. And just you can stay there. Yeah. That's indie. I think that's indie. That was a lot. Do you wanna go over the triple crown really quick? Real fast. Kinda leads I right do, into it. Yeah, I do have a lot of notes on it, but we don't want this to be a crazy long episode. Triple crown, finally getting to it. Yeah. It is the highest achievement of motorsport, but it's unofficial. So there's no rule. There's no written. It's never been like written. Yeah. No. It's, it's just, just something that these motorsport races have decided if you win the 24 hours of Le Mans, the Indy 500 and Monaco Grand Prix, the pinnacles of each motorsport, you, it's the triple crown. And there's one driver ever who's done it. And that was Graham Hill. He won 
Monaco six, five times? One, two. He won Monaco five times. Became known as Mr. Monaco, apparently. He won the 500 in 1966, literally in between his Monaco domination. Crazy. And then, and then he won the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 72. The only driver to ever win the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. And there's drivers that have participated in the Triple Crown. And I think specifically Fernando Alonso, it, this is something he's going for. So Alonso has won the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Yeah. And he has won Monaco. And he's won Monaco. So, and he has tried, he's raced in the Indy 500 before, but he hasn't won. Yeah. And there's another driver, um, Juan Montoya. He won the Indianapolis 500 in 2000 and 2015. Oh, and then he won the Monaco Grand Prix, I believe, unless I got it wrong. But both of those drivers are still racing. So there's still a chance for them to get the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. Will that happen? I don't know. Um, a little bit about, you know, we know Indy. We've talked about Indy. It's pretty much the North American version of Formula One and they have ovals. We know Formula One, that's all we talk about. But uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans, I'll just dive into that real fast. This is going to be also my first year watching 24 Hours of Le Mans. Are you watching it this year? I'm going to watch it this year. I actually watched the highlights last year. When is it? I thought it was in July, but it's actually June 10th and 11th. I'm still in Italy, You're so. Still in Italy. Well, I mean, you can still watch I it. I can still watch It's just, I'm I'm a little worried about my quality of internet slash TV I'm going to have. But that's fair. Um, but 24 Hours of Le Mans is an endurance racing. Mm-hmm. So it's not... Two to two and a half hours of going around a track. It's not like a fixed distance. It's how long can these cars go in the set amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it's 24 hours of the month. They have 24 hours to drive the most distance. Mm-hmm. And they have a team that they rotate through. So it's not just one driver. Mm-hmm. You can, one driver can't drive for No, that hours. would be impossible. So it's, it's a, a team of them, like three, four drivers that will switch through. This type of racing was kind of introduced when... Um, like the hype of Grand Prix had started, it had like dominated motorsport. So instead of focusing on the ability of like a car company to build the fastest cars, the 24 Hours of Le Mans and like these endurance competitions was mostly to focus on the ability of these manufacturers to build sporty but reliable cars. Like durability almost. Yes, exactly. Like speed, because yeah. if your car, I, we see it in Indy, like if a car breaks, car has issues, they'll fix it in return. Mm-hmm. But you know, you you waste so much time when that happens. So for the 24 hours, your car has to be up and good and, and running for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that's the appeal of that. It's again, like driver skill, but yeah. mostly on the manufacturers yeah. as well. We, we have F1, we have IndyCar, but Le Mans is part of the FIA, like world endurance championship. So it's just a completely different type of racing, but part of the triple crown. Yeah. And now you know. Now you know. Even though we've been teasing, talking about it for like, a month now. Because I think it really is interesting <laughs> in Triple Crown. It's yeah. just actually speaking to most people in like the F1 world, they'll dabble in Indy, but I don't think anyone really watches Le Mans. Mm-mm. So, well, or NASCAR. Or NASCAR. Yeah. yeah. So that would be like just something else that we'd actually have to pay More closer attention, attention to. to, which I think we Also, can. I don't know how to watch 24 hours. Do they broadcast the whole thing? Well, they must not. We'll look into it. I, Hannah doesn't know if she'll be able to watch it. She'll still be in Italy, but well, I'll look into it a little bit because you know what? We're a motorsport podcast. I'm actually very happy. I never said this to you. I'm very happy. We did not name our podcast something F1 related. I was thinking the same thing, like the same thing, because yes, we are mostly formula one, but you know, branching into Indy, ideally, hopefully branching into the endurance competitions. Like track talk is such a universal yeah kind of name yeah it could cover lots of bases we did good one thing <laughs> please don't ever try to convert me to nascar i don't even I, watch nascar i won't 
I just won't. I'm I did watch a documentary about Bubba, one of the NASCAR drivers. Yeah, I'll watch like a documentary about like stuff like that. Actually, for one year when I was younger, this is this probably just like foreshadows my love of motorsports in the future but I think I was 10 or 11 and my dad bought me a Tony Stewart racing suit to wear for (laughs) Halloween really this is so funny I wish I had a picture so it's like the Home Depot logo like the whole suit and I wore it for Halloween when I was like 10 or 11 which I actually just thought of the other day and I have to go back to my dad and be like hey you didn't know it at the time but you just like ignited a motorsport fiend does your dad watch nascar no interesting my dad also does not watch motorsport he listens to the podcast but he was watching the indy 500 oh, and i so I, I, I asked him i was like do you usually watch the 500 he was like no i put it on like so i like i know what you're talking yeah. about and i was like oh, nice i was like we're doing something here yeah. because so, of uh, of watching f1 my parents are now into f1 good. but they haven't got into indy so that's, that's like my next yeah. anyway we're we're universal yeah type of podcast you know mostly we're gonna stick to to Formula One, what we know, but we, uh, it's nice to learn. And yeah, that's it. It's nice to learn. And it's nice to educate other people. Exactly. And honestly, I probably will be moving to the States within the next two years, meaning I should know more about Indy because Mm -hmm. I could probably go to races way more accessibly than I can now. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but our heart is still with Formula One. I think we should transition to Spain. This weekend. It's track stats time, you guys. Track stats with Han. Track stats with Han. Um, I will say that I'm going to be putting out a another playlist for this weekend because I've been doing that for most of the races where I put out a playlist that just gives off the vibe. The Cheetah Girls Barcelona fully will be on. <laughs> you make that playlist. Just I'm just prepping everybody. Anyways. Okay. Um, okay. So there, again, similar to Monaco, was lots of debate about when the Spanish Grand Prix was held first because it is a really old, like the Spanish Grand Prix, I think goes back to like the 1920s, but their track changed so many times that we're just focusing on like their current track. Um, So the Barcelona Catalonia track has actually only been used since 1991, making it like a a newer track. It looks really funny. It literally looks like this. Kind of just to the muscle man yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're I, right. Honestly, you got to look it up because, yeah. yes, podcast, you can't really see what I'm doing, but it's a really, really bizarrely configured mm-hmm. track and I love every second of it. It's 66 laps. Last year, Max won it. Checo came in second and George came in third. Before that, Lewis won five in a row. Holy. And before that, this is what's also crazy. In 2016, Max won his first ever Grand Prix. At Spain. At Spain. Yeah. Interesting. So it's really special to him. It's special to Lewis. Um, special to Carlos. Special to Carlos because it's a home race for him. We did see his custom suit. It's not Winnie it's the Pooh. It's not Winnie the Pooh. It's but giving it, McDonald's. That's exactly what it's giving. And someone commented on TikTok saying they released photos. It looks like he works at McDonald's. I'm like, oh my God, they did him so dirty. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you like Charles's more now that you see Carlos's? I like Charles's more now that I know it's also a tribute to Jewels. I didn't know that, but someone did comment that on our TikTok. Yes. So if I wasn't sensitive, I'm very sorry. I was talking about how it just looks like there's blood on his leg. Yeah. The design itself, I thought it was really heartwarming that it's for Jewels. Yeah. So I like it better than Carlos's. Yeah. With yeah. Quali last year, Charles took pole. Now, Spain last year for Charles was just a heartbreaker, but let me just finish qualifying. So uh, Max took second and Carlos took third. So it was a really, really good weekend for Ferrari last year. We also didn't mention it's a home race for Fernando Alonso, obviously. Oh, it is. Um, I know. He's like really off my radar, but like it is. So 
we have to give props where props are due. The crowd will probably be split. I know newer F1 fans are really, really into Carlos, just being like younger, more relatable, but any older F1 fans are obviously big Fernando fans. So yeah. this will be probably a good weekend for both of them. Now, last year, it was a crazy race. I actually remember watching it. Charles took pole uh, at turn, and then it was Max and Carlos. At turn four, like the wind was crazy last year. At turn four, Max and Carlos both like spun off the track and Charles, obviously in the lead, was able to kind of pad his lead and he got it up to like a 17 second difference between him and Max. So what happened? So I don't remember. I'm going to tell you, it's story time. It's not just track stats, it's story time. So Charles had like this really, really comfortable lead. I think it was like like 17 seconds till lap 27 when he had an engine failure. Oh, no. Nothing he could do about it. Oh, that's hard. And that's heartbreaking because honestly, and he had a good pit stop too, he would have just gone on to win the whole race with a, with a lead like that. And last year, Red Bull had a good car. It wasn't so dominant to like this year's standards where a 17 second deficit between Charles and Max could be honestly no no problem for Max. Like he really would have had to fight Charles. And this was huge last year because at this point in the year, Charles and Max were still neck and neck in terms of driver yeah. championship. So the fact that Charles got no points and Ugh. Max ended up winning it, was honestly kind of, well, it was it's heartbreaking anytime that happens, but even more heartbreaking because Charles really honestly had the world championship within his grasp at this time. So that was really unfortunate. Um, there was controversy within Red Bull because the tire strategy last year, um, something about how Checo was told to let Max through for the victory because, oh, yes, yes, I know. And it was because Charles was leading the driver's championship before this. So Red Bull really needed Max to challenge Charles because he was the next in line or he was like in second place for the world championship. So they needed Max to win and not Checo. So they kind of compromised the strategy. Um, They kind of used, like they did this past weekend, they kind of used Checo as like a test dummy with their tires. Like they like brought him in for a pit stop and then they they changed the tires on Max's car too because they saw that Checo was like, really excelling on those tires. So there was controversy last year. There was heartbreak for Ferrari. That's common at this point. Honestly, I'm pretty used to it. The fact that Carlos didn't end up getting a podium is kind of heartbreaking. Um, At his home race. Yes. Anyways, that was last year. Barcelona. Do you have predictions for this year? Yes, I do. I think Sergio's having a a breakout weekend again because he's pissed about last weekend. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Checo wins. I'm gonna say Max comes second, and I'm gonna say Fernando comes third. I'd love to put Carlos on the podium. I'm just unsure. I think that something's gonna happen to Max this weekend. Ooh, okay. And again, we're delusional. Yeah. I think something's gonna happen to Max. I think we're gonna see Checo win. Okay. I think we're gonna see Fernando second. Okay. And Carlos third. I love that. Two Spaniards on the on the podium. That's what I think. Yep. Love don't, it. Don't put money on it. No, no. Do never actually um, gamble on our picks, please. Um, so that's Spain. That is Spain. I've actually been to Barcelona, where they race. Have you? Um, driven by the pass. By the by, I've driven by the track in a bus, like tour bus. I was there playing soccer, so we didn't actually get to stop. That's so um, cool, though. Yeah. It was honestly, it's one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been in. You went to Spain to play soccer? Yeah. I was good. I was good. Damn. I was a good soccer player. We were there for um, almost two weeks. I loved it. Spain was, it had my heart. I was living my cheetah girl's dream um, with honestly at that time, like 12 of my best friends, because obviously 
Yeah. It was with my soccer team. How old were you? Um, 15. I was giving yellow jackets, but not the crash. Yes. No, we did not <laughs> crash. Um, my coach was from Chile. So like he and, and so were my trainers. So they were allowed or not allowed. They could speak Spanish. So it was honestly just like a really good trip. Yeah. Event for all of us. Nice. And we came second in that international tournament. Way lost, to go. Lost to Italy. But anyways, that's about me. <laughs> Should we get into a little bit more about ourselves? Yeah, let's do it. So we put out a poll on our Instagram um, about an hour or two before we started recording this morning. And we basically just asked if there's anything that you guys want to know about us. Because like I said before, I love, I get really attached to podcasts where I have something relatable or in common with the hosts. And I feel like we could do the same or we could be a little bit better about doing the same with you guys because we have received so many messages from, honestly, like younger girls in their 20s who have been like, I, I didn't have a place to share my love of Formula One. I feel like you guys are my friends in that aspect, but we can be friends in another aspect too. It makes, it makes my heart like hell, you know? I know. We're not going to get through every single question, but we honestly can answer them just through Instagram afterwards. Sure. Uh, oh, one of them is, how are you today? I'm really tired. I was up late doing some homework, but it's now sunny out, so my yeah. mood's a little better now. What about you? I'm good. I'm actually looking at apartments later today. Crazy. So I still live at home. I'm ready to move out, and so I'm looking at apartments. So I have appointments later, and wow. yeah, that's I can't exciting. wait to hear all about it. I'm excited. So, so today's a good day. Next question: What is your dream career? Lissy McIntosh. Oh, you want to be like an <laughs> F1 reporter? I look. If you would have asked me this a year ago, I would have said, you know, be a speech pathologist, like I'm in school for. That it is a dream career for me, yeah. realistically. But I think I don't really understand the extent to which we could take track talk mm -hmm. it, it it's really exciting i'm not saying we we could be liz lissy but i'm saying that that if i had a dream that would be it to either be a a reporter for nhl hockey because that's also my second love um or like an f1 media member like track side yeah yeah that's what about fair. you my dream career i would love to be an author I'd love to write a book. Yeah. I feel like you are going to. I'm trying. Yeah. I do try. Yeah. I'm hit, or, I'm hit or miss. But yeah, like Hannah said, I think when we started Track Talk, we did not expect anything. And so to, to like think of a future where this could be something, mm -hmm. that's also a dream. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to jinx it. No. Absolutely not. Not one. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Thor Ragnarok. Interesting. What's yours? It's actually perfect. I'm wearing this. I'm wearing a Tony Stark shirt right now. Yeah. Um, it's Iron Man. Just the first one? Just the first one. Yeah. I have the tattoo. You know, yes. beautiful Iron Man tattoo. Yes. It's just Iron Man, first one. I mean, I honestly don't have money that I hate. I just... Did you end up watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Nope. Okay, you have to. Okay. It's up on my list. I'm not going to lie. Okay, I'll watch it. What do you think of the future for Daniel? I know this is motorsport questions, but, like, what do you think of about the future for Daniel? I would be really happy if Daniel, honestly, just shows up in the paddock every weekend with a new Enchante merch line to take pictures for and just created content with Red Bull because he put out a lot this week with Max. As much as I'd love to see him back in F1, I don't want him to undervalue himself. I think that he will return to F1, but I think they're going to wait until Checo royally screws up and they're going to use that as a reason to get rid of him. I mean, there's, there's contention between Max and Checo. So mm -hmm. if you can get Max a teammate that he'll actually like, and if Daniel is under the correct assumption, or like if, if he's aware 
that Max is their number one and he's a number two driver and he's okay with that. Mm. I don't. See I an think issue he with would it. be. I think he would be too. He, he knows his place. Yeah. Um, if you could go to any race, not Monaco, what race would it be? Because I put on our story last night. I was like, Hannah, we have to go to Monaco. Yeah, yeah, I know. So any race, not Monaco, where would it be? Um, I'm really interested to see Vegas, look what that looks like. But I want to choose a European race, and I think I'm going to go with Monza. Okay. Was that what you were going to say, Monza. too? Monza. Yeah. Monza would be my – Monza's my favorite race. So yeah. I think aside from Monza, though – I also love Spa. I don't know why. I love Spa. Silverstone would be another mm, one. Yeah. Like a classic. I'd like to go watch. You would love that. Mm. What's your favorite food? This is so embarrassing to answer. Mac and cheese. I could eat mac and cheese every day for the rest of my life and be so happy. <laughs> I love pizza. Oh, yeah. Pizza. Okay, in my car, I have like a pizza Christmas ornament hanging. I have like a little stuffed animal shoved in the window, like a pizza stuffy. I have a little sticky note. Uh, it usually hides my check engine light mm-hmm. if it's on, so yeah. I just cover it. Yeah. Uh, pizza. Pizza for me. Good for you. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. I'll send you lots of pictures on my way. <laughs> Next question. Favorite pizza topping? I like ham and pineapple. Do you actually? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I'm kind of basic. I love a good tomato and feta. Okay. That's a good one. But I can't go wrong with a barbecue chicken either. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is such like a Canadian type pizza. It really is. I love it. I told my mom I was gonna um, order ham and pineapple pizza in Italy and she's like you're gonna get kicked out of the country. You will get kicked out of the country. <laughs> I'm actually not going to. I was just joking with her. Um, there's a few more questions but they're more race related. Okay. So we can answer them on our Instagram. Sure. Why not? Um, did you have any questions? We could just touch really quickly on like what we do when we're not talking F1. Sure. Emma, what do you, what, or did you go to school? What did you, I did go to doing? school. Yeah. I went to school for tourism management. I love the idea of tourism and bringing people to a place. As simple as it is. Really, honestly, it goes hand in hand with F1, might I just say. Yeah. Well, it is tourism. F1 is tourism. Yeah. And so I went to school for that. And I currently work at a museum. And I like it. I do like it. And I meet people from literally all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really interesting because there's two stories. There's a lot of stories in the museum, but there's two stories that actually have um, connections to F1. And there's a story that talks about the Montreal student protest. And that was during the time of the Grand Prix. Mm. And there were protesters trying to protesters trying to stop the Grand Prix from happening. And then there's another one. We talked about it, uh, the protests in Bahrain as well. We also oh, have yeah. a story about that in the museum. And that's why they canceled the Grand Prix. Anyway, so... Also, those stories are literally right beside each other in the museum. So I'm, I look at them and I'm like, hmm, Formula One. Oh, I love that. I also am really annoying at work because everyone listens to me talk about Formula One all the time. I'm also super annoying yeah. in every facet of my life I think talking a, about F1. Aside from work, though, I read a lot. Mm-hmm. And for those who, who don't know, um, I edit the podcast and the videos and everything like that. Not because I don't trust Hannah. But um, because I'm she's busy. S- no, I well, I'm also so incompetent when it comes to stuff like that. I have a I have a background in like graphic design and like I taught myself everything with me, like media editing and everything like that. So I actually get a lot of joy from editing the podcast and like editing the videos. So yeah, if I'm not working, I'm editing or reading or with friends. And she's damn good at it. Um, I graduated this year with my bachelor's of kinesiology. So like sports science type deal. And I'm now starting a new venture, which is at a new university in a different country remotely, but I'm working towards becoming a speech pathologist. So I'll apply to my master's this January, but, um, yeah, 
I'm working towards that right now. And it's something that I fell in love with because my advisor told me you'd be good at this. And then I started volunteering in a school with elementary age kids. And I honestly love every second of it. I help like right now I, it's just volunteer work. So I work with a mentor and we, she's helped me like learn how to correct like impediments or like language issues or um, deal with different learning disabilities that might come up. Um, and honestly, it's super rewarding and I love every second of it. It doesn't leave me a lot of free time though, because obviously I'm working on a post back right now. A master's program will be super, super um, time consuming. Time consuming. Yeah. And F1 is like an escape for me kind of mm-hmm. because yeah. I don't like working Sundays. So it's my excuse to wake up early and get an early start to my day and have something to look forward to on Sundays. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I'm not doing that, I also have two jobs in retail. Um, Hannah's busy. I also have a lovely, lovely, lovely boyfriend that we've been together for almost six years. So I, he's not necessarily just a time commitment to me, but I I do like to spend time with him. And uh, I also read quite a bit. And you have the cutest dog. I also have the cutest dog in the world. It's her gotcha day today. And it's gotcha day to Stella. So happy two years to Stella. Oh, maybe I'll post a picture for later on our stories, but she uh, loves to watch Formula One with me. Like, honestly, we will sit together on the couch and she'll be looking at the TV the whole time. So. Is she also a Ferrari fan? I don't know who she's a fan of, I should <laughs> ask. <laughs> but yeah, that's a little bit about our lives when we're not talking track. Yeah, that's us. I have. I wish we were more exciting. But... I know, I know. I have one more thing to say, and okay. this is not related to anything that we just talked about, but it is something that I noticed when I was scrolling Instagram this week, because this episode has been more indie based, but this is just one little F1 tidbit. Um, I was doing some Instagram scrolling this week. Um, and I noticed that Carla, who is Arthur LeClaire's girlfriend, she follows Alex on Instagram. So does Giada, Charles's ex-ex-girlfriend. And Charlotte does not. I've heard that Charles is not to the one to like blame for the end of their relationship. So, I mean, I would understand if there's more like friendship between his first ex, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and Arthur's new girlfriend, but Charles's new girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. interesting. Like Giada still follows her, which I thought good for you, girl. Good for you. And Carla does too, but Charlotte does not. Anyways. Yeah. Oh, one more wig thing. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Lily. Oh yes. Was at a Taylor Swift concert this weekend. She also had a power to her. She also had a golf tournament, or she had something golf related. She's a professional golfer, so she did have to attend this, but she was also at a Taylor Swift concert. Power to her. I would I love it. also miss my boyfriend's Monaco Grand Prix for a Taylor Swift concert. 100%. So. Um, just going to rope this all together really quick. Taylor Swift and Indy. I saw someone post on Twitter, you know, the venue, the Indy, um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, mm-hmm. how big it is, how many people it holds. And someone quote tweeted it and was like, who is some an artist? slash band that could sell out this entire place and Taylor Swift could. Taylor Swift. 1,000%. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna end it there. Um, thank you so much for listening. Follow us on our socials, Track Talk Pod on TikTok, tracktalk.pod on Instagram. If we did not answer your questions, maybe check out our Instagram. We'll try to answer them on our social media. Uh, but I think that's it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.